Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. My name's TJ, and I'm joined today by Brent. Hi. We're in a different office. Yeah, it's fun. I like uh, office uh, recordings. <laughs> a new office recording space. This is my second or first favorite recording space. Nice. Um, yeah, but uh, just the two of us today. David's busy. Chris is still out of town. So uh, we're going to talk about what we've been seeing. Do a little breezy on the streets. And uh, I guess tell you what to watch this upcoming weekend as well. I always forget about that, but then I get real excited when I remember that's something we do. Me too. Um, so what'd you watch, Brent? Uh, what I watch? Well, um, I watched a few movies, and uh, nothing... I haven't been to the theater since since Solo. I don't know if... I just feel exhausted after <laughs> watching <broken>. Solo. <laughs> but, uh, no, I've, I've watched... I've uh, rewatched some old classics, um... But, uh, yeah, let's start with uh, 1985, a movie I grew up loving, Back to the Future. I watched Back to the Future. The perfect, I think your review on Letterboxd sums it up pretty good. Yeah, my, one, my like, six-word review. The I think, perfect popcorn movie? Yeah. it's <laughs> what you call it? It's just, it's a perfect popcorn movie. It's per, it's a, it's always entertaining. Um, and Christopher Lloyd delivers a really good performance. I mean, it's a great comic, comedic performance. Yeah, and, uh, Crispin Glover's really good in it. Yeah. And, uh... Leah Thompson, yeah, fantastic as the mom. Um, we had a teacher at high school whose name was, I can't remember her last name now, but her first name was Lorraine, and she would always like she told the calculus teacher, the AP calculus teacher, so she'd be like, "Says so everybody get it?" I was just, "What, Lorraine? What?" <laughs> that was my favorite thing to say. To her. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't seen this movie in years, probably. Saw it so much when I was a kid. It's one of those movies that used to be the, like, leave it on if it was on Peachtree TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. You would just, I'm going to watch this now, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, some movies from your childhood, you go back and rewatch and you see them differently. And this was just like, nope, I understood this when I was four years old. This is amazing. And it holds up still. Yeah, it's as good now as it was then, which is hard to do. Um I like with movies like that. I like to think of what's a good filmographies, a good cast list trio to pick from. I don't know what it is. Maybe like Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, Huey Lewis. Um, if I knew that guy, if for for like cinephiles, if you know to get that guy's name, it's a recognizable name. The guy who plays the principal. Yeah. Um, who Billy played? Zane is in it. Oh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane's the Elijah uh, Wood. Oh, that's in the it's, Back to the Future too. too. Yeah, Billy Zane's the uh, the tall, good-looking, well-dressed one of Biff's uh, henchmen. Henchmen. I always thought he was like the one with the 3D glasses, but who plays not. the mayor? Is that somebody I, we know? I don't know who that is. Goldie Wilson is mm. the the mayor's name. Um, yeah, it. Also, uh, movie does a great job of setting the stage for the sequel too. Great ending. One of the best final lines in movie history. Has that actress been in anything else? Because I know that was one of those change-ups where it's like the Wesley Snipes to Omar Epps, nobody really noticed. But yeah, I don't know. It was Elizabeth Shue in two, and I don't think anybody really realized. I definitely did not notice when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think she went on to have a... I, look, I, I looked at her page a week ago. Um, so... And- you just watched it, and I don't know the answer to this. Did they reshoot the last scene? Or is it Elizabeth Shue with the end of the first movie? Or is it 
her at the beginning of the second movie. It's not Elizabeth Shue. Okay. Elizabeth Shue is not in the in Back to the Future. So I wonder if they just reshot that whole scene. I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because that would be weirder in one movie. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Uh, but I no, know, I never it's... thought about that. Yeah, I uh... Back to the Future was one of my five picks, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe maybe we should just do it now. <laughs> maybe that should just this this conversation. All right, yeah, call it. We're putting Back to the Future. Bah, 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 bah. Back to the Future is now the the talk of fame. The talk of fame is one of Brent's five uh, uh, automatic picks. Yeah, it definitely deserves it. I mean, since we're doing that, do you think it's is it the best time travel movie of all time? I mean, it's the I think it's the best movie about time travel, which is for me. Which is different. Different, yes. Not the best movie featuring time travel. Yeah, it's the. It is. It is the. The catalyst of the movie. It's the right. Like it's the. I don't think I would pick it as the best. Like. I don't think I would pick it as the best. Like depiction of time travel. Like I think the time travel itself works better in other movies. Yeah. Um. Because Back to the Future has conveniently illogical time travel uh, rules and whatnot. <laughs> right. Which we've discussed a lot off mic. Um, yeah. But I do think it's the best, it is the best movie that is a, that is about the traveling of time. Like, uh, you know, you can take like Terminator, for instance, as a movie that time travel is a catalyst for, but that movie's not really about time travel. Right. It's about it's about the the hunt of the Terminator for its its prey. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of the, a lot of peop- movies that I think might be considered time travel movies that I don't consider time travel movies, like Groundhog Day. I don't really consider that. It's playing with time. Yeah, but yeah. not in the same way. But like Midnight in Paris is one that, that I think would just be a time travel movie. That's really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, Back to the Future might be my number one. It's definitely in the argument. Yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely Michael J. Fox's best movie. Yeah, I can't think of what about anything else it would be. What about Christopher Lloyd? His, it's weird. I think it's the most iconic Christopher Lloyd performance for sure. Um, he's pretty well known for Taxi, right? Too. I mean, I. He's oh, not. the TV show? Yeah. I don't know if he's as well known just because Taxi didn't get... I, I think Taxi was more beloved by critics than it was by fans. That makes sense. His Wikipedia picture does not look anything like him. Well, that was two years ago. Yeah. So the last time you saw him was 30 years ago. <laughs> um, I mean, it's definitely what he's known for the most. Adam's Family is probably pretty pretty big. But, uh, I mean, after that, what is it for me? The Angels in the Outfield? Yeah, so it's it's right. It's, it's the best movie he ever did. Yeah. Um, what about Robert Zemeckis? I think this is better than Forrest Gump. But then again, I know I'm not as big a Forrest Gump fan as most people. It's better at what it's trying to do than Forrest Gump was at what it was trying to do. Comparing those films is ridiculously hard. I think most people would point to Back to the Future. Yeah. This is the most essential Robert Zemeckis movie. Yeah. Would uh, it was I, just, and that's just all he did before he. You know, Death Becomes Her was his first Oscar stuff, I guess. Unless something I don't know about in the 80s. 
Well, Back to the Future. What are you nominated for? Song, maybe? Oh, it got several noms, I want to say. <clears throat> so, it won for Best Sound Effects Editing. Zemeckis got a nomination for Best Original Screenplay. And, uh, did Huey Lewis write? I don't guess he did. Power of Love? Yeah. Not sure. But it, it was nominated for Best Original Song. Um, there's also a sound mixing nomination. You got four nominations. That's a big deal. Yeah. The Oscars. It's, yeah. And a win. It won for sound editing. Yep. So. Neat. So, yeah, it's... Got BAFTA nominations. It's nice to see a movie get, you know, when you look back at... You just assume a lot of these old movies didn't get... Uh, got a Best Movie nomination at the BAFTAs. <laughs> BAFTAs <laughs> are hard, man. They've always been... I do enjoy the BAFTAs a lot. They're... They're right up my speed. They're a nice counterbalance for the shitty Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. If so, you're out there and you're an awards junkie, you're starting to get into it like us. Screw the Golden Globes. You can watch them; they're okay, but they kind of suck. Baptist though is the the hidden gem out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else is there? Uh, I know it's a big hit, and it's time. It's probably the top or uh, one of the top two grossing movies of the of the year. I'm sure. What else came out in 1985? Their second weekend was higher than their opening weekend. Uh, that's a great sign. Yep. That's, that is word of mouth right there. <laughs> it's the next sentences, which is indicative of great word of mouth. Nice. You got beat out by National Lampoon's European Vacation, and then it went back to number one after that. That's also a good sign. Yeah, it was a phenomenon. Yeah. So. Fourth highest opening weekend of 1985 and the top grossing film of the year. Cool. Well, I guess it does it. Welcome to the Talk of Fame. Back to the Future. Here, here. We raise our mugs to you. Yes. Honestly, I watched a lot of good movies this year, or this week. Um, a few of them I could have also probably easily put in the Talk of Fame, but Back to the Future was my... Was my <laughs> one of your five. One of my five. Uh, next movie I watched was a rewatch. I had watched it once before, and I think I wasn't in the right mindset when I watched it the first time, because I really had no recollection of it, and didn't really affect me the first time I watched it uh, but I rewatched Taxi Driver that's a movie I need to rewatch too it's yeah. one of Cass's favorites I watched it it's like 15 years ago maybe yeah. and it I remember thinking oh this is pretty good when I watched it but I wasn't I don't know if I wasn't fully paying attention or something when I watched it the first time I just assumed that when I when I don't remember a movie as being great but I rewatched it and that movie is amazing so, uh, uh, this is probably an easy question to answer, but Brent and I often talk about who wins movies, and it's like, what actor or actress kind of stole the show? Is it De Niro 1, Foster 2 for Taxi Driver? Is it is it cut and dry that easy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, I saw Albert Brooks was in it, and I, I remember, I was like, oh yeah, Albert Brooks is right. in this movie, and I, I'm thinking he might, he just doesn't have a ton to do. He's right. uh, in that movie. It, it's definitely De Niro 1 and Foster 2. Uh, Harvey Cattell maybe is 3. Mm, yeah. Harvey Cattell is so unsettling. It, that movie, the the thing I loved most about Taxi Driver is the way you can feel Travis Bickle's loneliness in the movie, and you can empathize with him. And you 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 like it's presented in a way where you kind of understand his descent into madness, sort of. Did you call him like an antihero? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because he's he's disgusted by the things that you that would disgust you like child prostitution mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if a movie's ever done a better job of showing just like how awful New York was at a certain point in time 
just like the pre Reagan, it was bad. Yeah, the late seventies New York City was just a cesspool. Right, and I think this movie nails that cesspool. Nice, and how just a guy who is well-meaning. He's a Vietnam vet who's well-meaning, trying to just like, I don't know. He's definitely an outsider, and he's trying to, he's trying to just live a normal life, and he just he just sucks at it. Like right. he tries to date uh, Sybil Shepherd in the movie, and he doesn't know what to do. Takes her to a porn movie. Right. He's like, no, never, never talk to me again. <laughs> what? Um, is it? Where do you think that ranks? And uh, this is kind of a loaded question because you don't know a lot about it. Not not many people do, but the the famous improv scene that was done by De Niro, he did that. That wasn't scripted. Where does that rank as far as those kind of scenes go that you know of? Anyway, how how impressive is that to watch, knowing it's not scripted? It's it's pretty impressive. I think the I think the meat of that scene was in the script, which was not the words, but the just the emotions behind the words. Yes, which was what was written. Right. Um, because I think the script says he talks to himself in the mirror yes. and loses or or tries to look tough with his gun or whatever. Right. And uh, so I think it's a combination. It's both great improv and also fantastic script writing. Right. And that's in direction, I'm sure too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese. I always forget that he's in that movie, and his scene in the movie is, I think, the turning point in the movie. Yeah. He plays possibly the worst person in all of New York. <laughs> Just it's this uh, it's this guy who is going to his wife's cheating on him, and he takes the cab to go basically just spy on his wife mm-hmm. from the street. And the things he talks about wanting to do to his wife to punish her for cheating is just I can't even repeat it. Sickening. It's vile. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I think triggers Travis in the movie. Right. To like, like if the only way to fix the cesspool is to join the cesspool, and to be a villain as well, who right. fights other villains. But the whole thing is magnificent. It probably deserves a future podcast at some point where we all talk more about Taxi Driver. Yes, yeah. it's that good. Um, I'd, I'd be down. The whole thing, like I think my my quote in the my review was the whole thing makes me sick to my stomach to watch, but I can't look away. It was fascinating. Um. Yes, really good. I rewatched uh, Edgar Wright movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which was a lot of fun. It was a very a very fun, fun movie. Yeah, realized again. I really hate Scott Pilgrim in that movie. He's, a, he's a, for lack of a better phrase, he's a whiny little bitch. I think I would forgive that more if he were like seventeen in the movie, but he says he's like twenty four. Yeah, like, yeah. You should you should be less of a dick to girls at yeah. this point in your life. Um, have you read any of those? No, they're real fun. And I mean, like I read all seven in a day. They're quick. Does each one focus on a like end with a a, a past boyfriend? Yeah, an evil ex. That's fun. Generally, yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, the evil ex aspect. The whole thing is fun. Did you have a favorite? A e- favorite evil ex? A favorite evil ex? I hmm, I did like the vegan Brandon Ruth. Yeah, Brandon Ruth. Yeah. He was... And probably his best performance. <laughs> Sadly. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans was really fun. Apparently he had a blast film in that movie. Too. Uh, that's right. He's the one that... He, he dies off a... 
the skateboarding trick. It grinds too long. It grinds too long. <laughs> um, they're all good, though. The lesbian was really funny. The Indian guy was real funny in the beginning. Oh, and the, the showdown with Evil Scott winds up really funny. Yeah, when they walk outside. <laughs> Grab a cappuccino sometime. Yeah, let's, let's go have brunch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got that... Yeah, I guess Scott... <laughs> what it is yeah and also the the way Edgar Wright syncs up like music with action in that movie really sets the stage for Baby Driver like yeah yeah nice it's really well done all the sound effects in that movie are amazing it's got Lord of the uh, it's got not Lord of the Rings Legend of Zelda music which is uh, right. which I loved yeah. um a lot of a lot of fun really good movie and I know and honestly I might like it the least out of all of us at Talkie Talk yeah, I know that it's a five star movie for all through us yeah and it was four for me and, right and I loved it right uh, and then the last movie I rewatched was again uh, I think that was oddly enough it was the second time I'd watched Taxi Driver I think it was only the second time I'd watched Scott Pilgrim and it was the second time I watched Wally uh, I watched Wally yay let's talk about Wally uh, Wally's a great romance period Yes, that's what it took away. From, that's what I took away from it. It is one of the best romantic comedies I've ever seen. Yeah, and both parts are amazing. The yeah. romance and the comedy yes. is really. It remind the comedy reminds me. I don't think any modern movie reminds me more of um, that Charlie Chaplin movie that we both love, uh, City Lights. City Lights. Yeah, I think this movie with the roles kind of. Well, no, they're kind of the same. I was going to say the roles are swapped with genders, but I guess they're not really. Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't thinking as much of that. I was just thinking about, like, the sweetness of the love mm-hmm. plus the slapstick comedy. <laughs> like, Wally, to me, is Charlie Chaplin, to, where he's just, like, he does... You can get so much uh, comedy from just him, like, tapping his, his... Well, not fingers, but his... It's it's very vaudeville, a lot of his comedy mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. Everything from when you are sure that Eve loves Wally is hilarious. Like Wally yeah. getting like sucked out into the vacuum of space. He's like, Neh. yeah, <laughs> it's real funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is that he constantly mispronounces her name. <laughs> That's why I always thought her name was Eva. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's great. I, I love, and it makes sense that it's vaudeville because he is so limited by what he can say. He's watching old it's, musicals, it's, Singing in the Rain, and it is a, a laugh out loud funny movie. And but, uh, almost cried at the yeah. end. Yeah. When they get to be just together. Yeah. But I did, I remember laughing out loud when we watched it for the first time at like Wally following Eve around. And when she turns around and it's like, shoots a laser cannon. Wally's on behind like a trash can. It's like, oh shit. What the hell was that? Really funny. I loved all the droids, all the robots on the. The ship. the ship, yeah, they're really funny, and I liked what they did. It didn't seem too preachy. No, it definitely has a message. It definitely has a theme. The message is just is is. I, I mean, there are multiple messages at play, but like uh, consumerism and mm-hmm. over environmentalism, at least, is going to ultimately run us off the planet. Which is, uh, you know. I, don't, I certainly don't mind them taking that approach. That's not my favorite aspect of the movie. My favorite aspect is the Wally-Eve relationship. Mm-hmm. But I did not dislike that at all. Like, it's, it is a it, it is a. It didn't feel movie. like it was added on. It felt like it was part of the story. Yeah. 
like I said, I think I, I think it's because they don't get too preachy with it. Yeah. Well, they don't talk about it. They just assume you'll see it for what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's never brought to the forefront, really. And also the image of all the the uh, future fat humans um, all just, like, rolling down <laughs> to create this, like, huge blob at the bottom of the ship when it's uh, when it's shifting. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's a great movie. It is top three Pixar for me, for sure. I think it might be. I would need to. I would need to rewatch Toy Story three, which has kind of always been my go to for my favorite Pixar. But this might be number one. Yeah. After a rewatch, it's just it's so well done. Plus the the visuals after they get on the Axiom, it's not as visually like stunning. The visuals like, on Earth are on amazing. Earth. Some of the uh, some of the best animation Pixar's ever done. Yeah. It was the first movie along with like. Bits and pieces of other films, like bits of most of Toy Story three, bits of Up, bits of Inside Out. But it was the first movie, beginning to end, where I was like, "Oh, this is just a fantastic film." It's a period. Like I said, it's a great romantic comedy. Period. Yeah. Not not for animated. animated. Right. Yeah. It's just perfect. Um, goes so long. I know this is a thing that everyone knows now. And everyone says, but it goes so long without dialogue to not realize it, too. I mean, it's half an hour into the movie before you hear anything other than Wally. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you? I was really worried at the end when, when sort of zombie Wally, you know, like uh, Wally yeah. who doesn't remember. I was really worried when he rolled right over that bug, his little bug buddy. Oh yeah, I was really worried that he had murdered his bug friend <laughs> for like a split second, and then the bug pops up. I was like, oh thank god! And then I remembered this is a movie for kids. They weren't going to kill his lifelong friend, right? In a fugue state. <laughs> uh, I can't recommend Wally enough, though. It is also one of those movies that I just blanket recommend to anybody. Yes. I wouldn't think about, like, would this person like it or not? It's like, if you like movies, <laughs> you'll like this movie. Yeah. And I'm sure listeners out there are like, well, no shit, Wally's a great movie. Like, it, I know we're, we're talking about this in 2018. Like, right. Like, this movie's later. great. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know, it, it's fun to... It's fun to realize, even though like I remembered loving Wally the first time I saw it, it's fun to realize like I didn't love this movie enough. This movie is great. I have a newfound appreciation for this movie. And yeah. second, sometimes it needs a second watch to do that, because sometimes the way you find out what a story is affects you the first time you watch, mm-hmm. because you are watching to see what will happen next. And then the second time you watch a movie, you know what happens, so now you're watching to see how it is shown what happens. And right. like, like how this movie is going about showing you this story, and you can definitely appreciate a movie differently. Like Taxi Driver, for example, is a movie that I appreciated way more the second time. And sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes I like a movie less when I rewatch it. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and a lot of what uh, the media bias did, and what I wanted it to do in the beginning was like we're kind of learning as we go to be like film critics. So sometimes it is helpful to go back and rewatch something I hadn't seen in forever because. We talked about it a few episodes ago. I watch shit so differently now mm-hmm. than I did ten years ago when well, I saw Wally. You know what I mean, right? So yeah, no, that's awesome. But that's it for me. I, I've uh, finished season four of Friday Night Lights, so we are. I'm um, one. I finished season five, episode one. Oh, nice. So we're basically eighty percent of our way towards an all Friday Night Lights episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let us know on TV Bias or send us an email or something if anybody has. Any interest in us doing a Friday Night Lights episode? Because we might do that with uh, Kelly and Ash, maybe, if they mm-hmm. want in. 
Um, me and Brent have been rewatching it, and I know it's David's. It's a it's a top five TV show for me, and I know it is for David as well. Um, it's a deep enough cast or of, of characters where I think it would be fun to do like a little like draft of favorite characters. Yeah. From so if you have to pick seasons four and five or seasons one, two, and three, what are you picking? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> four and five doesn't have season two, so that's the upside. But it doesn't have season one. It's something about season one. Yeah, essentially four seasons, too, in one, two, and three. You're getting three really good seasons. Mm-hmm. Two, or one kind of shitty season. But four and five are as good as teenage TV can get at the same time. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a better handle after I rewatch five. Yeah. The cast, there's, there's no gaps in... Four or five. My only thing, the only thing about four that I didn't, that I, I don't love as much about one, or I'm sorry, that I don't love as much as I do about one, is that four kind of gets away from the football because the team's so bad. Yeah. Like, it, it can't focus on the football because that would just be so much losing. It gets to it at the, at the end a little more, I guess. Yeah. But compared to, like, season one. I didn't realize that was, until I started season five, that was Landry's last play. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, good way to go out. Yeah. So <laughs> I think uh, so. Is in that episode? Does that end with him and Matt going to Chicago? Yeah. So you get you're like, did you see my field goal? Seventy two yards. <laughs> yeah, it was a miracle. It was, and it Terrence was, was like, it's not seventy two yards, but it was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found uh, an uh, Apple app, an iOS app that uh, a game that my niece was telling me about. Uh, first off, my my wife. My, all my nieces, my brother, they all play this game called uh, Homescapes. I've downloaded it and played it and deleted it. Not for you? Yeah, not really for me. I don't know. I mean, I just had other games I'd like to play more, I guess. But well, anyway. Yeah, the, it's just, everybody's been playing that lately, apparently. <laughs> and so uh, I don't play it either. But... Um, <laughs> But my niece was was showing me yesterday this other game. So uh, my youngest niece, she said, "Well, they play that. They play Homescapes. I play Make It Rain." And I said, "What is Make It Rain?" And she opened up her iPad and showed me. And it's this app where it's just a huge like stack of cash, basically you in just front of you, flick it. and you just flick it, and it <laughs> and you make it rain, and it accumulates all the money you've made rain over. The like all time, all time, and she's like, I've made it rain like ten billion dollars. It's just that's all it is. It's all it is. You just press it. <laughs> now you get power ups every now and then. She's, oh no! She said if you do it enough in one hour, you get like a, you get an automatic press. And I said, what is that? She said, she said that means you can just hold down on it and you don't have to swipe. And I said, sure, because swiping gets difficult after a while. And oh. then I found out that my brother has this app. <laughs> and he has like 42, it's listed as 42KBB. That's the abbreviation for it's like kilo billion billion billions. He's like ranked <laughs> make it rain. He's one of probably the most prolific <laughs> make it rain users ever. And Why? I don't know. It's the most bizarre thing. And so he said, no, I mean he told me, he said he there's just something about the just Mean, the meaningless swiping that he just finds satisfying. Like, some people just... Like, uh, people would have, like, uh, uh, like kids with uh, 
fidget spinners or squeeze balls or yeah. stress balls or whatever. And so <laughs> I think this is like when he's just like hanging out with his kids and he's not wanting to like put thought into playing a game or anything. Right. He'll just like sit there and just <laughs> make it rain. Nice. Well, I watched three movies I'm going to talk about. You've seen one of them, I know, so we'll, we'll might jump into that one first. I watched uh, not his debut, but definitely what he is known for. Uh, the first thing he was known for. Your Ghost Lanthimos' Dogtooth. Dogtooth. Good movie. Movie's fucking weird. It's a weird movie. So, it is about three adults who live with, you assume, their parents. And their parents have pretty much, like, built this... What is it? Is there a term for that? Like, the Brigsby Bear kind of... I don't know. Like, I just assumed it was... I mean, I just call it a compound. It might not be the best word for it. Yeah. To me, it's sort of... Well, I mean, like, that whole, like, kidnap shelter from the outside world. I feel like there should be a word for what's happening in those movies. And I can't... Yeah. I can't pinpoint it. But anyway, they're... They've been raised to think that there are, like, monsters outside of this wall. You can't leave. All these ran- random sets of rules to where they don't know anything about the outside world. Their language is inexplicably changed. So, uh, not to where you can't understand them, but where, like, the word for foot is actually globe, and the word for globe is actually brick, or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's real weird. Did you like it? Yeah. Because it's so fucking odd. Mm -hmm. You don't ever get, and, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, none of this is ever explained to you. Yeah. You don't know why it's this way, so... I guess by not explaining it, they're suggesting that the parents are just insane because there's no other reason for them to... Like, the language thing, especially, is just so weird. Yeah, I, I've i seen it I've seen it once, and I've seen it years ago. So I don't remember a lot of details from it. But I remember being captivated by it. It was very captivating. It's a very, very strange movie. Very aggressively sexual, too. Like... It is a uncomfortable watch, like with a parent. If anybody out there is like, don't yeah. rent dog tooth and watch it with your mom. And if I'm if I'm not if I'm remembering it right, it's because the girls are like coming of age, like sexually, right? And they are, although they're probably well past that point. They look like they're in their mid twenties, but they've been so stunted by their upbringing. Yeah. That, so they hire. They have a female. They hire and bring in to have sex with the son, mm-hmm. and then she starts trading things with the daughters for Cunnilingus. And they find that out. They beat the shit out of her, maybe kill her. You don't really know. And then they end up saying, like, we can't trust anybody we're bringing in. So they have the son, in a really fucking weird scene, get in the bathtub blindfolded with his sisters and fills them up to pick one as his new, like, sex mate. <clears throat> yeah, it's fucking weird, man. Like, I say it's weird. It is some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. But if you've seen any Lanthimos recently, it doesn't surprise you. Yeah, I mean, the lobster's bizarre, and uh, killing of a sacred deer this year was crazy as hell. Is there a message in the movie? Is there, like, a theme? Because it sounds like from that, it sounds like... Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely... I I feel like the theme is, like, animalistic instincts in humans. Like, they all... It all comes back to the same thing, no matter what you do. No matter how different you are uh, taught, Mm -hmm. you still, you know, you're just an animal. That, that felt what it was like, and that feels like what it is with a lot of Lanthimos' movies. I mean, the lobster obviously is, yeah. Well, the, I, to, you know, to me, like the lobster, I, I can't say that this is a theme of Dogtooth, but it's definitely a theme of lobster, which is uh, in the lobster the overreach of fitting in. Like, you need to fit in, or else you will be outcast. Like, you need to have a 
you need to have a partner. You need to make a family and whatnot. And so they punish people who don't do that. So right. these people, though, in Dogtooth are like willing outcasts. They are outcasts by their own design and still crazy shit happens. Do you, like, here's what I don't remember. Are the parents like okay with everything that kind of plays out in Dogtooth? Like, does it play out to their. Do they still feel like. like in control? Or is this just an unraveling of their experiment? If that makes sense. I think they... You don't really know. Because there's this thing where, like... We're trying to get them to shape up. And the mom is like... We're going to have... I'll tell them we're having twins. And the way the dialogue happens is, like... Her and her husband are talking and she's pregnant. She's going to have twins. And then it goes to... Uh, the her, Them telling the kids. And they're like, we're going to have twins. The three y'all are going to have to share a room. And it's like, okay. And they're like, we don't want to share a room. And it's like, well, if you'd act better, I can try not to have these twins. And they're just like trying to trick them they, into being good. Yeah. So I guess I guess what I'm asking you don't know if, you don't know if that's the norm or not. I guess to answer your question. Yeah. Does the movie have a does it have a stance on their seclusion? Does the as movie being, as being good or like do they? Are they rewarded? Are the parents and their family decisions over the years are they rewarded for that in this movie, or are they punished for their decision to break off from society? Uh, I think they're punished. Okay. So that kind of jobs with what Lanthimos is going for in Lobster, which is yeah, which is well, I, maybe it doesn't job because in lo- in the Lobster they're unfairly punished for not adhering to society. Yeah, I mean, this, he definitely creates, like, a psychopath with one of the daughters who just, like, runs up and cuts the brother at random times. And then the other one goes and locks herself in the trunk of her car because she thinks that's the only safe way to be outside of the compound. So she's just locked in the trunk of her car, maybe forever. Yeah. You don't know. Um, It's definitely, he's an interesting director. Yeah, and his new movie is bizarre. I've not seen it. Killing of Sacred Deer? Um... 2018 release Killing of Sacred Deer is probably the least weird of the movies but it goes back to it, it's supernatural in the way the lobster was there's outside things you have to believe uh, his movie this year is The Favorite is a biopic about Queen Anne in the early 18th century <laughs> that seems odd for him yep Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone Rachel Weisz and Nicholas Holt interesting it's gonna be an Oscar but he didn't write this one so he might just be brought in for his, like, camera work. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird movie. Uh, I'd also watched a film, uh, an old classic, going off what Brent was doing, trying to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies. Not trying to, but when I can't decide what to watch, I will watch an Oscar-nominated movie. Uh, I watched 1933's 42nd Street, which... Right now, people might not know what I'm talking about, but there's an iconic scene where the camera is a, it's a tracking shot uh, in between the legs of essentially like rocket type dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you see it on every montage of like well, it, musical number. Yeah, whatever. or you see it at like the start of those AFI specials. Yeah, it's like <laughs> American Film Institute presents, and it's just like a bunch of scenes, famous scenes. It's from like Gene Kelly swinging on the pole, and then it's <laughs> this, these legs. Um, yeah. So that, the leg shot is the climax, the end of 42nd Street. It, uh, it seems to be, and it could be the first ever, uh, as far as I know, movie that is behind the scenes for a musical or a play. Hmm. Uh, 
movie about a movie or a play about a play kind of thing. It's fine. I give it three stars on Letterboxd. It's it's fun. Some of the performances are good. Um, very like 1930s though, like womanizing men that are played up as heroes, kind of for what they do. And right, a hundred years ago. So, but uh, it was really good. Yeah, that's kind of even before, like, when I think of, like, the golden age of, like, classic Hollywood, that's, this is earlier than that. This is damn close to the silent era. Right. Yeah. So. It is definitely one of, like, the 20th, 20th oldest movies I've seen, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. 1933. Um, it got nominated for one Academy Award, which is weird. Which is Best Picture. But it was back when there were, like, 15 nominations for Best Picture or whatever. And probably not that many other categories either. Uh, right. Yeah. What, one in 33? I should know. Grand Hotel. I don't know. Cavalcade. I have no idea what that is. Grand Hotel was the year before. That's (laughs) something. That, but man, there was a big jump in movie production quality from, Mm. like, 1927 Wings. I don't know if anybody's seen, like, clips from Wings, but it looks like it's shot in, like, somebody's backyard by my, like, First generation iPhone <laughs> to like seven years later, it happened one night. Looks like a real movie. Yeah, there were, there were big there were leaps and bounds there. But um, if you're a fan of musicals, I would definitely recommend Forty Second Street. If you're not a like hardcore cinephile or love musicals, you can skip it. I would say. Um, and then I watched what may be one of the best review movies of the year on Friday. I'm not real sure. It was 99% on Rotten Tomatoes last I looked. That sounds like one of the best reviewed movies. Um, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> top tied for second at worst. Yeah. Um, but uh, I watched Hereditary. Uh, um, heard a lot about this. Yeah, it is... Been described as the scariest movie in years? Uh, yes. It is horrifying at times, I'll say. But I'll also say it's not scary in the way that, like, don't go into it thinking you might be scared like you were scared in, like, The Conjuring or... Paranormal Activity? Yeah. What's the one with the nun? Is that The Conjuring? There's a... Vera Formiga, that... Where, yeah, like... Oh, with the doll or whatever? Yeah. Like, it's not going to be that kind of scary, Anna, even though there this is about... Annabelle? So this the, the, this movie does a great thing. There's a review up on well, by, yeah. By the time this will be, by the time you listen to this, there's a review up on the website that I read. Um, this movie is all about making you think one thing or the other. Um, so the main character, Tony Collette, uh, builds miniatures. She's an artist, and by the looks of it, a very successful one. And you are constantly not knowing when a scene swaps or when a scene is introduced. You constantly don't know if you're inside of a miniature or inside their house. Hmm. Um, so, to the point where it's kind of jarring just when somebody walks in the room. Because you don't know what you're looking at. You know? If it's going to zoom out and it's going to be her hands like painting something. Right. Um, and the other thing that they, they play with a lot is is the main plot. It's a, is it real, is it not real scenario. Um, so the movie does a lot of cool things with like mental illness. And, uh, to the point where you're pretty much told flat out this is what's happening mm-hmm. and you still kind of doubt it. Uh, I, gave it I gave it four stars. It was really good. So you, so maybe not as scary as some people are saying but very, very good. 
Yeah. Also, though, I will say, removing like weird sexual scenes in movies, uh, the most horrific scene I've seen in probably a decade. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, how how pleasant my reaction was to hearing that. <laughs> um. But to the point where it was like, we watched it in the theater on a Friday night, 10 o'clock show, so it was pretty packed. Mm-hmm. And there were people kind of laughing and, you know, like you do in horror movies, so you don't, so you feel better about yourself. So like, you, <laughs> So you don't let yourself get scared if right. you keep giggling. Uh, and then this scene happened and it was like, you could hear a pin drop. Like, people were like mid-laughing at this like kind of hectic moment in a movie and then this thing happens and everybody's like, <gasps> and then you're like, I heard the guy who was sitting next to me, he was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, there were definitely girlfriends like buried in their boyfriend's shoulders during the scene. And in my case, a boyfriend buried into his girlfriend's shoulder. <laughs> uh, so the director is Ari Aster? Ari Aster. Never heard of Ari Aster. What? It's the first movie he's written and directed. It's a pretty good. We just did a recent podcast on uh, debut, directorial debuts. It's a pretty good one, apparently. Yeah, I think it's got uh, and out in it. We're all big and out fans, but I think in my review it goes uh, the first sentence of a paragraph is like and out plays Joan. If this sentence doesn't creep you out, you should watch more and out movies. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, uh, performance of the year for me so far by Tony Collette. There, good. Yeah, she is my number one pick out of the sixteen or seventeen two thousand eighteen movies I've seen so far. Um. Wide range of emotion she plays. There's also only like five people in the movie. Yeah. That's not true, but there are only five people that have more than, you know, two sentences worth of dialogue. Uh, but I definitely recommend Hereditary without, with the caveat of don't yell at me after the movie. Because there are people that might have some mental illness or some history of it that uh, it might hit the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I can see. But definitely, it's fucked up. <laughs> it's a fucked up movie. But it's good. It's top ten for me at the moment. I'm sure it won't end up there in the end. But it's good. Nice. Um, and that's it for me. Let's move on to Breezy on the Streets. Breezy on the Streets. So Breezy. Breezy's in my house today, I feel. What's what's news? What is news? <laughs> what is news? Uh, we didn't have a... We didn't report a podcast last week, so we didn't give you... A recommendation of what to go see this weekend, but it probably would have been Incredibles too. We're all big Pixar yes. fans and loved the first Incredibles, um, and it's killing it, getting great reviews. Some people say it's better than the first. Pixar is a is notorious for making great sequels mm-hmm. as well, um, but uh, it made a ton of money. Did really well. It's opening weekend. I haven't seen it yet. Um, this is uh, this is minor news, but have. Uh, what would you guess Hereditary's cinema score is from audiences? Knowing I, that Mother was an F, F minus, I think. Or did they do it in minus and plus? I think F. It's one of the only like 18 Fs ever. I bet it's a C. D plus. Okay. It was D plus. Um, yeah, there, there are definitely people that would walk out of that, like moderate parents who'd walk out of that and just be like, fucking garbage. Right. Like, Filth. That was filth. What they would call it. Here's uh, here's some news. Uh, John Travolta's new film Gotti has uh, 
the third 0% Rotten Tomatoes score in his career. In his career? Jesus. I'm sure one is Battleship or Battlefield Earth. Oh, no. Not even Battlefield. It's uh, Staying Alive and Look Who's Talking Now. <laughs> Weird. Uh, I've got some sad news. Uh, so for like 30 years now, Terry Gilliam's been trying to make uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. And uh, he was finally doing it. It's there. It's happening. And, like made. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's lost the rights to the film. According to a Paris court now. They gave 100% of the rights to a producer on the movie. I'm sure it'll still get released because it's Terry Gilliam, but that's sad. Yeah, but I scrolled past that. I was like, oh, poor guy. Poor guy. I did also see this week that Infinity War uh, made more domestically than um, Justice League made globally. <laughs> wow, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Oh, this you might find this interesting. There's a, there's a chance that... Uh, there's a chance the series Roseanne may continue without Roseanne. I saw that. Um, she would have to sign something saying she won't profit from that show. Oh, so she'll have to give away her like residuals and yes. Her, okay, so she won't. She will not be on it as well. Right. Okay. You hear who the new Joker is going to be the newest Joker. No. Joaquin Phoenix is making a Joker movie, apparently. I feel like he's been he's been making a Joker movie for 20 years in other movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like I saw a movie like a month ago in the theater where he is... It's like the beginnings of the Joker or something. Right. Um, again, I don't... I don't want to see the Joker without Batman. Yeah. I don't see the... Po- I don't want a Joker origin story. Well, the Joker's whole... I mean, the Joker's thing was always Batman. Yeah. And the the thing about Joker is that he is just... He is just... Unexplained, murderous rage. Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't care. There, there's no motivation. That's the, that's the point of Joker. Is that he thinks it's funny. He thinks murder is a, is a laugh. Is a joke to him. Right. And... For me to have to go back and watch them explain, like, how his, I don't know, mom was mean to him or something, and how he became the Joker, I can't think of anything more boring to me. I would agree. Like, I don't need to go see, you know, Watto treating him badly to find out how he got to be evil. It's a complete waste of time. Watto, a Star Wars story. (laughs) I still want that to be made. Where's where's my Watto spinoff? That is it. So let's let's move on to this weekend at your Cineplex. Well, uh, it's one of those times where movies don't want to compete. Even though this movie looks like it will probably be not great, but I will go see the hell out of it. Probably opening weekend. Ah, yes, it appears there's one movie coming this weekend. (laughs) So... Um, I'm going to recommend you go see it. Brent might say otherwise. <laughs> but uh, I would go see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I'm, I'm a big fan of those movies. Even the, the shitty ones were hilarious. I mean, 2 is so bad that it's good. It's like watching The Room. Um, it was an awful fucking movie. Um, but I thought Jurassic World was fine. I mean, Chris Pratt's a superstar, so he makes anything watchable. I think Jurassic World is the second best Jurassic Park movie. Yes. I think The Lost World has been the worst so far. Yes. 
and I think three is three is actually probably the least relevant just because it's just so average. Yes. It's just so like so vanilla. It's a, such a run of the mill action movie. Um, I think the first is probably the best. Yeah, the first one, <laughs> first one is uh, the best by a bit. Uh, this one I think has probably got a better shot of being the worst than it does of being the second, second best. best. Yeah. It's like it's definitely got a better shot at being worse than it does at being the best. <laughs> but so what I will do. So you is, think this movie has? It is more likely that this will be worse than Lost World than it is that it is better than Jurassic World. Yes, that's an interesting game. I think I'd probably have to agree. Just because I just I just can't see it being better than Jurassic World because I feel like they're they're kind of doubling down on all the things I liked least about Jurassic World and the things I liked least about the Lost World. Yeah, which is taking dinosaurs to the city, and from Jurassic World, it's training raptors to be your buddy. <laughs> yeah, this one's like his buddy now too. Apparently, right. at least in Jurassic World, they like tried to eat him randomly, yeah. but this one it's like oh no, now they're like legit like. I like what you were like. Just make them ride the damn thing. That's what we be. Why even? Why even pitch that? Why even pitch like he can control raptors now without saddling one up and just riding off into the sunset? Right. They should do like a western with Chris Pratt and other. That's what they should have done when they when Chris Pratt made the Magnificent Seven remake. It should have been a crossover event where where. Where Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington or whoever's in that movie, they're all on raptors, trying to save this town from <laughs> all bandits. On raptors, <laughs> just riding raptors through like some town in Arizona. Just they should all be on different dinosaurs. That's the ticket. And you got like pterodactyl guy or raptors remaking uh, Reservoir Dogs because they're called Blue, like the raptors called uh, Blue. Yeah. So you could just have. You know all these different raptors. Okay, what about this though? What about the Magnif- What about another Magnificent Seven remake? But they just straight up hire raptors <laughs> <laughs> to come save their town. Yeah, from some evil land baron. The Seven Samurai Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. It's just this. <laughs> just like hey, so this guy he killed my husband. Will you come help me? <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> 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 a, a horrible raptor impression. <laughs> sounds like sounds like some drunk college girl throwing up. What other movies would could we just remake with the raptors with trained raptors? So like, I've got a whole list of DVDs here that you can't quite see. So, um, all right, Brett, do, do it for me. Let me pitch a couple to you. Okay. Um, almost famous. Almost famous. <laughs> so, so one young raptor. Goes on a, a tour across the country with other with a band of raptors. <laughs> what kind of music? Do they... <laughs> Death metal. Um, trying to get their hit song "Fever Raptor" to work. Fever Raptor. Fever Raptor. <laughs> North by Northwest. <laughs> With it's a raptor, a raptor in an airplane <laughs> trying to gun down another raptor in a field. Nice. Uh, we'll do one more. Let's do Castaway. 
Uh, I feel like that's just going to be a Jurassic Park movie at some point. It's just, at the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, they leave Blue on an island where he just has to befriend a, a volleyball, which he, which he names Chris Pratt. <laughs> he has to, like, uh. he has to uh, surgically remove one of his fangs with a rock. Nice. All right, I think we'll we'll take that as a. I want to see I want to see the movie Problem Child remade with raptors. All right, hold on. Problem Child is the it's a little red haired kid, the bad kid. Yeah. So I always got Problem Child and Child's Play confused. Oh, you don't want to make the Chucky movie, (laughs) right? Yeah. No. What if the raptors are being terrorized by Chucky? What if it's like raptors versus Chucky? We had Alien versus Predator, raptors versus Chucky. Versus Terminator. Versus <laughs> Terminator. Versus. Oh, no, now I'm looking at the old VHSs. Versus Richard Pryor and the toy. <laughs> versus the Who's Tommy. <laughs> the Who's Tommy. Versus the Last Waltz. Yeah. Man, that is a weird. We'll close with this. That is a weird collection of VHSs on that shelf. The toy, Tommy. Tales from the Dark Side. The movie. Silent Night. Risky Business. Rocky Horror. Problem Child. Problem Child. Prom Night starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Porkies. And then the complete Nightmare on Elm Street collection. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Okay, so I am going to disagree. Because I actually, I don't know. From from what I've seen from the trailers, I'm worried that Jurassic World is going to be terrible. Go see something that's already come out is what Brandon is suggesting. So, since you saw... Since you used your instincts and knew what we would have suggested last week, and you went to see The Incredibles 2, now you can go see Tag. Yeah, Tag's going to get reviews, and it looks fun. And uh, I was from somebody who did not like Jeremy Renner. Uh, he's growing on me a lot. I'm a, I'm a Jeremy Renner fan. Nice. And uh, Also, friends of the podcast, Chad and Seth, watched it and thought it was hilarious. Great. So, yeah, go check out Tag uh, if you agree with Brent, and go check out the fifth Jurassic Park movie, if you want to believe me. But this has been Talky Talk, the podcast for TheMediaBias.com. Uh, hop online, check us out at TheMediaBias.com or our Facebook groups, TV by us, Movies by us, Games by us. And be sure to like our uh, page, The Media by us, on Facebook. You can reach us through Twitter or Gmail or the website. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And uh, give us a rating. Send us money. Do all the things. Uh, special thanks to the Willow Walkers. Provide the intro music weekly. Yes. And Boo Reva. Yes. Thank for you. For the outro music. I think that's it. We'll see everybody later. Take care. Bye. Bye.